Well, hi everybody, and welcome to um, another my favourite Ipswich Town Eleven. I'm Mike Bacon, and uh, well, glad I think you're enjoying this feature. From what we gather, people seem to be enjoying listening along to some of our fans and celebrity fans. Some of them, celebrities, small C for some of them, and a bigger C for others. But I mean, that's a, that's a different world. I'll let you guess what this guy is. Um, but anyway, no. So we've got celebrity fans, we've got fans chatting away, we've got lots going on throughout the summer with this feature, and I know a lot of you are enjoying it. Remember, it's your favourite eleven, not your best eleven. I. I had to kickstart this feature and, of course, I um, got completely pilloried for my um, favourite 11 for not putting in Kevin Beatty. But, I mean, that's that's what, that's favourite, not best. So, uh, anyway. But, look, our, our friend today who joined us on the Kings of Anglia, this Kings of Anglia podcast, um, is a man who we all know. We certainly know his voice, even if we don't know his face. Some people say it's better to know his voice than his face. But... Probably being a bit unfair on he's a good friend of mine. I've known him a long time. We've known him a long time. Of course, we BBC Radio Suffolk's where he made his mark for many, many years. But he's the voice of uh, Portman Road PA system um, these days as well. Uh, a big town fan. Um, it's Stephen Foz Foster. Steve, I, I can't call you Steve. That's a silly name. Foz is your name. Foz, how are you? I'm very well indeed. How are you, Mike? Well, thank you very much for uh, yeah. I'm very well, thank you, and um, I'm well. It's it's nice to uh, it's nice to speak to you on this. Uh, on this wonderful morning. Um, now, Foz. Now, how did you get your sort of nickname, Foz? Foz, I picked that up as a nickname when I worked in the newsroom at Radio Orwell. Um, and I was actually called Fozzy by um, John Cranston, who joined on the same day as I did. And he decided that um, he would be calling me Foz or Fozzy from, from there onwards. So I, I shortened it to Foz. And then a lot of people knew me off air as Foz. But then my editor at Radio Suffolk, uh, Gerald Main suggested that um, Foz would be a, a, a good sort of handle on air as well. So it sort of took off from there, really. And, and most people call me Foz now and, and not Stephen. I, I don't really mind. And just going back to an earlier point, Mike, it, it's a celebrity with a very small C. In fact, you can hardly see it. <laughs> oh, you're you're too modest. You're too modest, Foz. I, I know. It's like having Foz with a small F. You can't you, you can't do it. It's just not right. Um, well, look, Foz, this is about it's your favourite Ipswich Town eleven, of course. And um, now, look, very quickly before we get into it, because we're looking forward to what your favourite eleven is. Um, so, Ipswich Town Football Club. When when did you first start supporting them and going to see them? Well, the first game I went to was back in January 1969. I remember it very well indeed. My dad took me along. We stood in the um, in the chicken run, as it was called, the, the, the cobbled stand it is these days. But in those days, it was the, the chicken run. I was absolutely football mad. I played for the primary school team and was desperate to get to Portman Road. And I've been badgering my dad for ages to take me. And he did. It was a game against uh, Burnley, which town won by two goals to nil. And I remember that Mick Mills and Ray Crawford got the goals. And it was that in-between period of, of Bill McGarry and, and Bobby Robson. Cyril Lee, I think that was his last match in caretaker charge before uh, Bobby Robson arrived a few days later. And the rest, as they say, is history. Beautifully put. The rest, as you say, is right, Foz, is history. I mean, and what wonderful history it's been, Foz. I mean, you know, you're, you're like me. You've seen all the good times, the wonderful times. Um, and we talk a lot about that on this um, on this podcast. I know perhaps he has a lot, we have a lot of younger listeners as well who don't remember the Robson Robson days particularly. I mean, it's 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 coming full circle. Do you hope it's coming full circle now, Foz? I mean, you're, you're, you're at Portman Road every week doing the PA. Um, are you liking what you're seeing at the moment? I'm liking it very much indeed. I love the fact that the ball is is mainly on the deck. There were times during certain other eras, Mick McCarthy being one, where we played a lot of really high balls, um, punting it upfield. I, I don't like that style of football at all. And I remember 
a few years ago when I was sitting in the director's box alongside Franz Tyson and Arnold Muren. There's my first bit of name dropping for you. Yeah. Um, and they both commented to me that they couldn't believe um, how much the ball was in the air and not on the ground. Mm. And that was a style of play that obviously McCarthy enjoyed or certainly thought was going to bring success. Sadly, it didn't. Um, but I think um, Kieran McKenna's style of, of zippy football on, on the deck is, is really up my street. And, uh, and I think yeah, next season's going to be the big one for town. I really do. Mm, excellent. That's great. That's great to hear, Foz. Like you say, you're, you're like me. You've seen it, seen it all through the different eras, and there's no there's no doubt football on the on the on the grass, as they say, is far more attractive to watch. Um, and and it lets the players let the players be footballers. Um, you know that's that's what their game is. So um, yeah, very much. So you're on the PA at the moment, Foz. Enjoy that. I enjoy that very much indeed. I'm I'm well aware that um, a lot of people in the stadium haven't been able to hear me because of all sorts of technical problems. It's an infrastructure thing. I mean, the PA has been up, up and running with the speakers for a long, long time now, probably well over 20 years uh, when, when the new speakers were, were put in. So it's time for an upgrade and that's what's happening this summer. And hopefully um, everybody in the ground can hear me uh, loudly and, and clearly in the new season because it is frustrating. We've got a lot of information to get over and good in halftime interviews and stuff, some great guests. And uh, a lot of people say to me, you know, when I get the bus home, Foz, we can't hear you. We can hear you in the toilets, but we can't hear you, you know, in the, in the ground itself. So hopefully that'll be put right and, and we can start afresh in, in um, well, I was going to say August, but it's July, isn't it? End of July. It's the end of July this season. It's fine. Just to, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is. Yeah, well, that's that's fantastic. I mean, a quick word before we get to your 11 then, Foz, a quick word about what you're up to today, because obviously left radio Suffolk now. You're doing a bit of, I, I see, because obviously we go to Speedway together. So we like a little bit of our Speedway. And there's and, and, and Foz Media sponsors a heat. I think it must be heat six or do they change it each week? I don't know. But Foz Media, yeah. what is that? Uh, that that's my sort of freelance little business I've got. So I, I do various radio programs and, and voiceovers and also events. Anyone that wants a man speaking to a microphone clearly, I'm your man. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's absolutely wonderful. Even in the toilets at Portman Road, you're heard. I mean, what, what a thought. Anyway, so anyway, Foz, look, lovely, lovely to chat to you. Let's crack on. Let's crack on. You've obviously you've seen Ipswich Town for many, many years. So you've got a you've got a, a, a plethora of decades to to, to, to cast your favourite players over. Starts off with a starts. Have you got a little bit of a formation or are you just going for it with like 10 attackers or what are you doing? Well, no, I've gone for a, a formation, really, uh, and the old style. Um, I think it's it looks more like a four-two-four, actually. So, yeah, I'm really going for it. Um, but, but I love my attacking players, as you'll uh, find out later. But we'll start with the goalkeeper, shall we? Mm. And quite a few to choose from, obviously. Um, I didn't go for Fred Barber, although I did enjoy his uh, one appearance cameo, mask and all. <laughs> But um, he was one of the great characters between the six for town, obviously. But I've gone for uh, the Canadian international Craig Forrest, who, for me, uh, was one of the great ambassadors for the club when he was here and, and, a, and a damn fine goalkeeper as well. I was really impressed with, with Craig Forrest. And he seemed to sort of exude confidence um, around the defence, which, which for me is what it's all about with a goalkeeper. The defence has got to feel you know, they're in safe hands. And for me, Craig Forrester well, was a very safe pair of hands. And as I say, a great ambassador for the club. He also had a great um, choice of music. He, he was a big fan of, of lots of music and often used to go to gigs with us at the UEA in Norwich. A friend of mine, uh, you might know him actually, Stan, put 
coach trips together. And Craig Forrest and, and Frank Yallop, who were best pals, obviously, at that time, used to join us on the coach trips. Uh, the coach was full of nurses, I hasten to add, because one of our colleagues um, was a tutor at the local college. Uh, so plenty of nurses on the bus. Um, we did get to the gigs as well, you'll be pleased to hear. And Craig <laughs> Forrest came to one I remember, because I had a chat with him about the band, uh, the Georgia Satellites. And for those people that used to listen to me on the Headbangers Ball, you remember how much I love the Georgia Satellites. And and Craig was a big fan. And I think he tagged Frank along, actually. I'm not sure Frank knew who the Georgia Satellites were, but <laughs> Craig Forrest most certainly did. And uh, we, we had a good evening at the UEA in Norwich. I mean, football-wise, for, for me, Craig Forrest, integral part, obviously, of the team, uh, John Lyle's side that, that won the um, old first division, as it was or old second division, to get to the inaugural Premier League. And I went to virtually every game that season, home and away. And uh, Craig Forrest was a tower of strength at the back. And my only, you know, the only sour bit for Craig Forrest probably was the um, the, the 9 nil drubbing at Manchester United. Mm. And he, he wasn't responsible for any of the goals either. Mm. And um, then he went back, I think, when he joined West Ham a few years later. And I think I'm right in saying they were beaten 8 nil. So poor old Craig. <laughs> Old Trafford was not a happy hunting ground for him. Uh, but, you know, apart from the 9-0, and he got sent off in one game, I seem to remember, at Portman Road, which was um, quite a sight. You didn't often see a goalkeeper get sent off. And that gave Clive Baker his chance to, to get a run in the team as well. But Craig bounced back from that and played a huge part, not only in Town's promotion that season under the wonderful John Lyle, but, you know, that, that first season back in the top flight yeah. was remarkable season Good. wasn't it and Craig played his part and hence in the end he, he got a he got a big move to West Ham yeah look, look that's, that, that's that's absolutely spot on for us I, I love I love Craig Forrest I thought he was an excellent goalkeeper and uh, did an interview with him actually there's, a, there's an interview with him on the on the Kings of Anger podcast here which I did only a few months ago really talk chat about different things and funny enough going back to that now United game we talked about that which he's happy to talk about um believe it or not and um, he said to me I remember him, he said actually this podcast Mike the thing about it was he said you're not gonna believe this I thought it was 10 so he, he, lost, yeah. he actually came off the pitch thinking it was 10. So he said it was actually a little bit of a relief when I got back in and found it was only nine. Anyway, but that's... Well, I, that's got back, um, I got back into Ipswich, obviously, that night. I went to the game and we were we had to laugh at the end. We, we Otherwise, we'd be crying. And we drowned our sorrows uh, with a few beers on the way back to Ipswich. The following morning, I don't know whether you remember this, uh, John McCreerick, um, the racing commentator and personality sadly no longer with us uh, was opening a betting shop in Ipswich and of course had plenty to say about towns at drubbing at Manchester United and I interviewed John the following morning uh, that, that was great fun as you'd expect he was a character wasn't he John McCurick right? he was yeah absolutely right so there we go well look Craig Forrest in goal between the sticks then Foss um let's start with you let's go through your defense um we can go right back at center halves and left back if you want to start with the right back it's it's entirely up to you well, I'll start with the right back, and it's a man who actually possibly played more games as, as a left back in the old days. But I seem to recall he started off as a right back. Um, Mick Mills, an absolute club legend. Yeah. And he was in the town team and indeed scored a goal when I was at that game um, against Burnley in January 1969. And for me, a model professional, um, both as a player and then as a manager. His managerial career had its moments, but I think he'll he'll probably agree with me that it, it, it didn't really um, do the business. I mean, he was at Colchester 
bless him, when they actually got relegated um, into the non-league, didn't they? That that yeah. season, he was one of several managers in charge that season. But a, a great captain. I mean, any captain that lifts um, the FA Cup and a few years later the UEFA Cup, World Cup captain for England as well. Record number of appearances for Ipswich. And he did chip in with some some goals as well. I think I remember one or two that he, he chipped in with, very important goals. And he, he was a man that didn't mind getting up the field, but he was an old-style fullback, really, yeah. wasn't he? Defence yeah. was, was his number one priority. And, and and for me, once again, a great ambassador for the club. And, and I really enjoy listening to him on, on BBC Radio Suffolk. I know some fans... Are, I don't know if he's going on a bit too long with his technical analysis, but for me, he's he's spot on and uh, he knows the game inside out. Lo lovely bloke as well. Fantastic guy. Uh, absolute legend. I think he's up there. He, he's up there as one of the best ever Ipswich Town legends for all he's done on and off, on and off the pitch. And I quite like listening to him on, on the radio. I think he's, he's, you know, listen to his analysis. I know some people don't always, but listen to what he's actually saying. He says the good stuff. And uh, yeah, of course, the best goal I was... The best goal I ever thought he scored for was the um, was at West Brom uh, against West Brom in the cup semi final at Highbury. What a big one! Oh, what a, what a day that was! Hey, were you there as well? Yeah. Oh, but for me that was as good. It might have been slightly better than Wembley. Yes. Because we'd been trying for so long to get to Wembley, and and that was the moment. Fantastic atmosphere at at, um, at Highbury, and and what and what a game! It had everything really, didn't it? As far as Ipswich were concerned. Absolutely right, brilliant. That's so. Mickey Mills is in. Right, you're going to your centre halves, Foz. Centre halves. Um, I'm going for another member of the FA Cup winning sides, and and a man who um, I thought was remarkable in the centre of defence, Alan Hunter, Big Al, as we used to call him. Um, nothing would ruffle his feathers at all. Although I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him, and I say that as as someone that's um, you know seen him plenty of times on the pitch, and I and I love the way. Um, at, Lee, at, at Leicester in the in the FA Cup, forget how many replays there were now, that Alan Hunter looked after a very young John Walk on the pitch and obviously told um, Alan Clark um, and also Mick Jones of Leeds, you know, in no uncertain terms to, to watch what they were doing because um, he had an eye on them. And that, and that for me was the, the, the sign of a, a great centre-half looking after his uh, fellow defenders. And I, I loved watching him for Northern Ireland as well because we used to see those home internationals, didn't we, in the 1970s yeah. on, on TV? And it was always great to see Alan Hunter in the same side as George Best. Yes. But, but Big Al, one of the great personalities, um, he used to appear on the BBC Radio Suffolk Sports Roundtable on a, on a Friday evening, which in those days was done by um, Ivan Howlett, who was the founding father of, of BBC Radio Suffolk. He's sadly no longer with us. Um, and once or twice, I got to sit in for, for Ivan when he couldn't make it. And Alan was on the panel and he was quite quiet on the air. Yeah. But come seven o'clock, <laughs> when the red light went off and we were off air, we had some wonderful stories from him. And I, it was just a pity that he, he didn't feel able to, to tell us those stories on air. But once you've told us the stories, I can well understand. Probably be better not aired. Some fantastic stuff from, from Big Al. I still bump into him from time to time in, in town. He, he's, he's still a big character. And, and for me, um, the centre-half during my time of, of watching Ipswich Town, and my word, we've, we've had some good ones, that is for sure. We've had some great ones. I mean, that's always been actually this this part of the 
a team we're picking has always been the hardest for the people I've had up to now with centre-halves because we've had so many great ones, as you say. Um, but Alan Hunter, you're absolutely right. Um, when he joined Ipswich, of course, he's a big signer for Bobby Robson. Made a huge difference when he came. And uh, it was just it was his presence, wasn't it? His presence was wonderful. So uh, yeah. good good choice, Foz. Good choice. Yeah, um, and do you remember his own goal against Liverpool at home? Uh, that was no, a remarkable own goal. I don't. Oh, he he, he lobbed the goalkeeper from um, oh, what, the yeah. edge of the pitch. He was under pressure from Kenny Dalglish. And that, you happily pass the ball back to the goalkeeper. A lot of our younger viewers and listeners probably won't remember those days, but yet yeah, you could pass the ball back and the goalkeeper could pick it up. But um, yeah, basically it, it went a bit too high over Paul Cooper and ended up in the back of the net. Right. Poor, old, yeah. poor old Big Al. I did feel for him that day, but um, I'm sure he's had a laugh about it ever since. So who are you placing alongside Big Al on your team then, Foz? Well, another, another big character. Um, Obviously, Big Al and, and Kevin Beattie were, were a great partnership. So, too, were Russell Osman and, and Terry Butcher, because Beattie and Hunter were an impossible act to follow, I would have thought. But no, um, obviously, Terry Butcher and, and Russell Osman, um, they, they took, took on the mantle and did it very well indeed. And, and once again, a great partnership. I could have gone for either of them, actually. Russell Osman, I remember a game against Spurs when he uh, he landed a punch on Graham Roberts behind the referee's back at the Churchman's End. And, uh, I thought it was Terry Butcher, but it emerged earlier or later <laughs> that it was Russell Osman. That that was a great moment. And Terry Butcher, well, I think everything's been said about um, Terry that you know needs to be said, but of his memories for me uh, uh, of the big man, you know, kicking down the dressing room door at Norwich City after we were knocked out of the League Cup at the semi-final stage at Carrow Road. All that blood pouring from him in those uh, very famous pictures playing for England. Uh, and a man who obviously won the UEFA Cup with Ipswich, but was there for a few more years and, and, and sadly was in the side that was was relegated, I see. Yeah. And then obviously he had to move on and went up to Rangers where he became a a huge hero against all odds, really, because an Englishman at Rangers, but they were a few, weren't they, at the time, yeah. did really well. And, and what a fantastic player for England. He loved his heavy metal, too. He joined me on the Headbangers Ball on Radio Orwell, and uh, it was great fun, and insisted that he, he bought me a beer afterwards in the Great White Horse Hotel. So we, we supped a few ales and talked mainly about music, actually. But it was great to be in the pub there with one of my big town heroes and, mm -hmm. and a man I still bump into today, as I'm sure you do, yeah. uh, Mike. He's, he's a fantastic character. And, um, yeah, well done, Terry, for all you've done for Ipswich and continue to do, because he is, once again, a great ambassador, no doubt. He's actually talking about... Russell and Terry, myself and Stuart Watson um, and uh, Brad Jones, actually, who's the editor, played golf with them only only a couple of weeks ago. And oh, right. um, um, fantastic afternoon we had with Terry and Russell at Woodbridge Golf Club, the opening of their new uh, nine-hole course. And, uh, God, Russell hits the ball a mile. He's, he plays off about three. Fantastic. I don't think Butch yeah. is quite so prolific, but he's still a good player. But it's lovely to see them. They're in good form. And uh, yeah. and he's and Butch, is in, Butch is in your team then. Um, um, Butch is my team, um, purely, with, you know, my favourite players are often the ones with, with the biggest personalities, not necessarily the best footballers. Yeah. So that, that's why I've really gone for, for Terry Butcher, although, of course, he, he was a world-class footballer. It goes yeah. without saying. Yeah. Uh, many people thought Russell Osman was as good, and, and they've got a point. Yeah. And the same with Kevin Beattie and Alan Hunter. But I, I really couldn't go with Hunter and Beattie. Um, and then not pick one of Butcher and Osman. So that's really why I've gone for, for, for Terry Butcher. And on your final defender then, Foz? Final defender, um, the Argentine Mauricio Tarico. 
He was fantastic at, at left back. He was never afraid to get forward. And he got stuck in as well, didn't he? He'd wind players up. He loved playing against Sheffield United, weighed in with, with loads of great goals and, and, and played to the Portman Road crowd. He was one of those players that the fans took to, not straight away, of course, because he was a make weight, wasn't he, in a, in a yeah. deal to bring um, another player in, um, Adrian Paz. Who, who wasn't such a big success, sadly. But Mauricio Tirico came over with him and played quite a bit of reserve team football at first. And, and I didn't really think we were going to see him in the first team. Broke through for, for some reason and, and held his place, I think, from then on. And was such a, a positive um, left back as well. He, he was the, the new style wing back, really, wasn't he, Mauricio Tirico? But... Um, could be a dirty little gap as well. And and I quite like that in my fullbacks. Get stuck in, you know, make sure the winger knows you're there. And he certainly did. It was quite bizarre, wasn't it? Because when they both signed Paz and Tariko, Tariko sort of sat there in the corner like he sort of comes his button boy sort of thing, just to yeah. carry Paz's carry Paz's suitcases because everyone was Paz this <laughs> and Paz that. And uh, poor Adrian Paz didn't last that long. And, and Tariko became an absolute fan. And he was so powerful. He had this Argentinian. He was Argentinian? Yeah, he's Argentinian. Uruguay, I can't remember what he's Argentinian. Oh, he's Argentinian. But, yeah. but he, was, he, was, he was so passionate. And, and, and his passion, his South American passion showed on the pitch. And yeah, the fans loved it. And he became, I mean, really he did brilliantly well because no one really knew much about him. And he, by the end of it, he was players, player, supporters, player of the year. Um, and he scored a great goal against Norwich. He, he scored a wonderful goal against Norwich. I remember weeding off the great celebration with his arms spreading, you know, yeah. of course you score against Norwich, you're a hero forever. And yeah. Um, yeah. And I, good was, choice. I was very sorry to see him go, obviously, but I was very pleased that he landed uh, a big deal uh, with Tottenham and he looked yeah. a good player for Tottenham as well, I thought. Mm. Um, then he got a move to West Ham, suffered a really bad injury and tore up the contract, which I don't think too many players would have done. And I, that speaks volumes of Mauricio Tirico, um, a, a real gentleman as well. But on, on the pitch, you couldn't take your eyes off him, buzzing around on the left-hand side, cutting in when he could, scoring a few goals too. Yeah, what, what more do you want from a left-back, really? Perfect. So, you, so your goalkeeper and your back four are Foz? Let's just go through them again. In goal, Craig Forrest and the back four, Mick Mills, Mauricio Tirico, Alan Hunter and Terry Butcher. Brilliant. Right. So there we go. So we move into midfield. You say you've just got a couple of midfielders. You're going for all that attack in the Stephen Foster Foz uh, favourite Ipswich Town 11. I hope you enjoy listening to this uh, here on the Kings of Anglia podcast and with uh, myself, Mike Bacon and uh, Stephen Foz Foster. And uh, we're now going into the midfield then, Foz. You've got a couple in there now. Go on then. Tell us, tell us how this pans out. Have and I've I've put a, a modern day player in the team because uh, for me th this guy has made um, all the difference at Ipswich in in recent times. Um, a really tough midfield player who I most certainly would not have wanted to play against uh, when I used to play football. Not professionally, I hasten to add. But uh, Sam Morsey is the man I've gone for. He has made such a big difference to the town team. He'll always pick up loads of yellow cards. Uh, but my word, he gets stuck in. And he's now showing signs, I think, under Kieran McKenna of being a, a far more attacking option for, for the midfield as well. And I think um, if, if we can get another tough tackling midfield player alongside um, Sam Morsey in the side this coming season, um, I, I think we're going to be very difficult to beat. I really do. And, and it'll give Morsey um, a lot of freedom to, to get further up the pitch. And, yeah, we've got to put up with the yellow cards and there may be one or two red ones to come next season as well. But, you know, with Sam Morsey at the helm, 
Um, you're in with a shout. And I think he's made the world of difference. He's the sort of midfield player that I think we've been missing for many, many years. In fact, when, when I think about it, I can't think of the last tough tackling midfield player we've had in that vein for, for, for quite some time. I loved Jim McGilton. Um, I mean, he was a great footballer, wasn't he? Great passer of the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wouldn't say he was particularly a, a tough tackler. You might be able to help me out, Mike, with someone that is in the Sam Morsey mould, but we haven't had too many of those down the years. And I think it's told. It really has. No, I think you're right. I think you're right, Fossey. You, you, you have to go back. Yeah, you do have to go back quite some way probably to find someone who who really gets stuck in like Sam does. And I think it's his influence on the pitch that is that is so has proved so key, particularly the last three or four months of this season. I mean, if you watch him on the pitch, he's quite happy to dish out the um, bollock, excuse my language, bollockings to other <laughs> town players. Uh, basically, if they haven't done if they haven't done the business, I saw him. You know, I can't remember Matt Plymouth. I think Luke Wolfenden got a right earful from from Morsey. He's taken on the captain. He's taken on the captain's armband, um, and with that sort of with that attitude, I think I think he's been good for Kira McKenna. I think McKenna's leaning on him a little bit. It, it really is a case of um, you know with, with Sam Morsey in the sides, uh, you, you're giving the opposition a lot to think about, and there'll be a lot of opponents who, quite frankly, you know, won't fancy playing against Sam Morsey. And, and, and we've needed players like that in the past. We've been a bit of a soft touch in midfield mm. for, for too long, but we're not anymore. Brilliant. Alongside Sam then, Foz? Alongside Sam, well, I could have gone for Arnold Muren, but I've gone for Franz Tyson because obviously with Sam Morsey playing a more defensive role, it would free up Franz Tyson to... To, to you know provide some of the creative elements of all the all the tricks that he came up with. I remember a game against um, Crystal Palace at, at Portman Road when Jerry Francis was England captain at the time and Franz Tyson Tyson made him look an absolute idiot on the pitch. He really enjoyed playing against Jerry Francis and that the gulf in quality between the the then England captain and the I think Franz was a Dutch international by then, but certainly yeah. a star for us. Was enormous, absolutely enormous, and and Tyson would would run rings round most players on on the pitch. Had a lovely eye for a pass, and alongside John Walk, obviously, and, and Arnold Muir, and was was the, was the dream midfield. They, they between them, they they had it all. And I know people wax lyrical still about the UEFA Cup winning side and that town team under Robson. But really, when you think back, I mean, it, it, it was the dream team. It was it was perfect. It really was. The only thing that wasn't perfect was that we hadn't got enough players in the squad. So when we picked up the injuries, as you normally do in the season, as you always do, hadn't really got the quality players to, to, to come in. Uh, so we wouldn't notice a difference. Um, and sadly, you know, we, we fell short on a number of occasions as far as the championship was concerned. But yeah, Franz Tyson, for me, uh, one of the greatest midfield players uh, the club has ever seen and certainly one of my favourites. Yeah, winning the championship, of course, is Bobby's, always Bobby's biggest regret that season. For all, well, for all of us, really. We were, you know, because at the end of the day, it's great winning the FA Cup and you can win the Carabao Cup and stuff like that. Champions League's a bit different these days, but winning the title is everything. And Ipswich were clearly the, one of the best sides, if not the best side that season. So I know we're going back a bit in time there, but you mentioned Tyson. But yeah, losing, not not being able to win the title, um, I think was always Bobby's biggest. So sad because that you know we so deserved that to win that year. And I think even Mick Mills sort of uh, harped on about that 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 season, although they won the UEFA Cup. It was still a sad season for not winning the league that year. I remember we doing a piece of him where he actually said that. I, I thought what he's going to say, and he said, it's, but I, I still can't get over that season, 81, that we didn't win the league. I've, 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 I'm great we won the UEFA Cup. I've never got over 
not winning the league. Which is, no, uh, but, but I, I do, Foz. I do yeah. like your. I, I do like your midfield of, of Morsey and Tyson. I, I, that's 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 the uh, that's that's cute. That is. I like that. I mean, that's uh, not modern with a, a sort of a, 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 a legend of the past. But I tell you what, Morsey'd love playing alongside Tyson and probably vice oh, versa. Yeah, yeah. They they, they would be a, a great partnership, wouldn't they? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and good luck to Morsey and the rest of the team for, for the coming season because, um, as I say, I've got high hopes. And I thought, you know, I'd, I'd put a, a modern-day player in, um, but, and he is a, a great player, I think. And hopefully, I mean, at the time of our conversation, there has been a bit of speculation about whether he will move on. But, you know, I don't think he will because Sam is the man. I've no doubt about that. Brilliant, brilliant. Put Sam as the man. Quite right, Foz. Very good. We like that. Excellent. So there you go. There's two midfielders. So now we're going. We're going. We're going for sort of a four a four pronged attack. Foz is not messing around here. We're we're going for goals, goals, goals. Yes, we are. And I love my wingers. Um, I used to play fullback for for the school and for various local teams. And and you know I love getting stuck in against a, a fast raiding winger. And um, and I always think teams um, with a bit of width are always in with a better chance because you can get behind defences, hopefully, and whip in crosses. And my first of the two wingers in the side is uh, Jimmy Robertson, who was a very early signing for Bobby Robson and helped save the club from relegation when he arrived alongside um, a veteran centre-forward by the name of Frank Clark. Yes. Not to be confused with the other oh. Frank Clark, who played and managed uh, with Nottingham Forest. But Jimmy Robertson had had quite a pedigree when he came to Ipswich. Um, he'd won the FA Cup with Tottenham, I seem to recall, in the 60s. And he was an Arsenal player, so played for, for both the North London clubs. Don't know how that all went down. But mm -hmm. came to Portman Roads at a time when we badly needed not only goals, but, but results. And um, he, for me, uh, was a key part of town staying in the top flight so early on under Sir Bobby Robson, as he became. And Jimmy Robertson and Frank Clark were, were a great partnership. And, and I remember standing by then, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of forgotten the, the chicken run side of the pitch because, quite frankly, I couldn't get close enough to the players because I was a young man. I wanted to see the players. I wanted to get the autographs. So I persuaded my dad um, to come over to the uh, West Stand, just where the, the players uh, come out. And I've got a picture here. I'm not sure. Don't worry. I haven't got too many props, Mike. But I've got a picture here of, I don't know whether you can see this very clearly. You probably can. It's yes. a colorized version of the 62 team coming out of the um, dressing room there. And there are two policemen. And my dad is one of those two policemen. He used yeah. to be on patrol at Portman Road in those days. Um, and it's, you know, lovely to think that years later, we both stood probably just over the wall where, where he was standing there uh, to watch the, the games. It was not a great place to watch the game, to be honest, but you got to see all the players come out. And obviously when the game was underway, you got very close to players of taking corners and throw-ins. And I'll never forget the smell of, of the liniment on Jimmy Robertson's legs. He was one of these players <laughs> that covered his legs in liniment and you could smell it on the terraces. And he used to whip in the, the, the ball superbly great right foot player um and he was an exciting player even then he probably wasn't at his very best for Ipswich he'd, he'd done the business for Spurs and, and the Gunners but he still played a huge part um for, for a couple of years or so at Portman Road and uh, yeah it was great seeing the players close up and the managers as well used to love seeing all the managers walk past none of them would stop for an autograph but that that didn't matter 
Well, I love the smell of the liniment on uh, on Jimmy Robertson's legs. What a what a what a, what, a, what a, sort of like smell of vision. It's one what a wonderful sort of thought yeah. that process that brings to us. But wonderful, Foz. What a great memory. That's why you see this is why it's a favourite eleven. It doesn't have to be your best eleven. It's all about great memories of of players and Jimmy Robertson. Very old school. Many many people listening and watching this will never heard of him. But hopefully, um, we've found a picture of him to stick up um, on the um, on the on the on the video here, so you could see him. And on audio, go and go and Google Jimmy Robertson Ipswich Town. You'll see him. He looked a real traditional old player. Um, but so have you got you've got one winger then Foz who's the other one well the other one has to be Clive Woods really yes. Clive Woods for, for a number of reasons a member of the FA Cup winning sides and there was that lovely um, banner wasn't there at uh, Wembley to do with Pat Rice um, I forget what it said now having just mentioned it but there was a great banner mentioning um, you know Woods um, eating Pat Rice or something like that um, and he, he played a big part at Wembley of course gave, gave the team a lot of width um, prior to that, in 75, he'd scored that wonderful goal um, at Filbert Street in uh, one of those replays, the last replay, obviously, against Leeds in the FA Cup. The season, Mike, we thought that Town were going to win the FA Cup, but mm. Clive Thomas had other ideas, didn't he? We have to move on, Foz. Foz, we have to move on from Clive Thomas. We've got to forget him. We've, we, we've got to forget him. I remember that, that Clive Woods goal, though. What a curler in the top corner. Um, oh. I remember listening. I wasn't there that night because I was a bit, I was a bit, yeah, a little bit younger and used. So I wasn't allowed out that time of night really? in, in a midweek. But um, I listened to it on the radio. I remember being on sports, sports report, sports night right on the radio, and they, they 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 described Woods. He's cut in from the inside. He's curled this ball in, and it's there. And it was three two, I think, and that's like the fourth replay, wasn't it, or third re fourth replay, I think. Wonderful. Yeah. And there hadn't been any goals, had there, prior to no. in all the other games. Um, suddenly we had a, a, a goal fest. Um, and, and Clive Woods, superb, one of the best goals ever scored by a town player. And and I was at Filbert Street that night. I didn't go to the other replays, actually. That was the first replay I went to. And I'm, I'm glad I was there because it was also the day, Mike. And I've got to get a mention in for my favourite band, Dr. Feelgood, that I first heard Dr. Feelgood on the radio. We were driving to Filbert Street in the afternoon. In those days, it took hours to get to Leicester, didn't it? The roads <laughs> were so bad. Um, and, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of traffic about, but it was just that the roads were, you know, single carriageway, dual carriageway, if you were lucky. Anyway, we listened to John Peel on the radio on the way up, and he was playing a session from Dr. Feelgood. So that was the first time I heard the Feelgoods. Went to the game, fantastic 3-2 win with Clive Woods getting the winner. And Clive was a very important figure, mm. you know, for the team leading up and indeed at the FA Cup final. But after that, and I'm sure you'll agree, Mike, Bobby Robson knew that that team had done all it was going to do for him and he had to rebuild. Yeah. And it didn't take him long to rebuild. And, and sadly for Clive Woods, he, he fell by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of many players, actually, that, that moved on. And if I remember rightly, he, he moved up to Norwich, didn't he? He, he did. And um, I'll tell you a little story because I was playing uh, a few years after that. Yes, he did go to Norwich. And I was playing for a football team called BS Fonroe um, in Ipswich in a pre-season friendly many years later. And we played Attleborough in a pre-season. And there was Clive Woods playing centre-half for Attleborough. He That's must have been he must have been, yeah, he must have said to half. He, was, he had so much knowledge on him. So he was about 40. I think he's in his yeah. 40s, but at least grey, wispy hair. And uh, it was unbelievable. I was, I, I was thrilled to sort of suddenly be on the same pitch as him. But, and he wasn't, he was, he'd obviously lost his pace, but he knew yeah. how to run the, he still run the game from centre half. But Woodsy was a wonderful player. Yeah, yeah, he was tremendous and um, an important figure in the in the 1970s. Um, mm. Not only the FA Cup winning side, but before that, you know, town were a very attractive side to watch. Yeah. 
thanks to players like Clive Woods, who could who could whip in some lovely crosses. And, and once again, I, I love wingers that can can actually hug the touchline and yeah. and actually do something with the ball when they get it. We have had players in the team in the past who have managed to hug the touchline but haven't really made an impact from there. Mm. But Woods, for me, you know, was one of those players that stretched a defence, same as Jimmy Robertson on the other side. And and once you stretch a defence, anything can happen once that ball gets uh, put into the mixer, as they say. Put into the mixer. Very good footballing term, Foss. Very good. Yeah. You're, you're, you're bringing them all out this afternoon. It's, it's this morning. It's fantastic. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Um, but what? Just one little thing, younger viewers. Um, just Google Clive Woods, Ipswich Three, Leeds Two, Filbert Street, nineteen seventy-five. Was it? I believe. Or so anyway. Yeah, January. Yeah. January seventy-five, and just watch Woods as curling winner. Great goal. Anyway, so you got Woods and Robertson supplying the ammunition to who? Foz in the middle. In the middle. Well, my number nine goes to Paul Mariner for pretty obvious reasons. It was a toss-up between him and Ray Crawford, but I only saw Ray play for Ipswich a few times, and I did enjoy his two goals for Colchester against Leeds in the FA Cup. Mm. And I enjoyed talking to him on the pitch at Portman Road only a few weeks ago when he was a guest of the club. And he really is a, is a lovely man. I mean, he's going on forever as Ray Crawford, but I didn't see that much of Ray Crawford in an Ipswich shirt. So I thought I'd go for a man I did see a lot of, Paul Mariner, who for me was the complete centre forward. He really was. And what a character off the pitch. He was another guest of mine on my rock show. I'm on the Headbangers Ball. It was a really cold night. He drove in from, I think he had a, a, a place near Hadley and he, he drove in un, in treacherous conditions for the programme and was really glad to, to get back home again, I think, because it was one of those wintry nights in those days. You weren't really sure which way it was going to go. Yeah. You know, in those days, we had lots of snow, not just the flurries we tend to get today, but in those mm -hmm. days, it was very wintry indeed. Um, Paul Mariner was great on great form on the programme, picking music by the likes of, you know, Iron Maiden, um, Saxon, Deep Purple. He was big friends with, with Ian Gillen. Yes, he was. He, he, he for me, was the complete centre-forward. And, I well, I've lost count, really, the number of, of great goals that um, I've seen Paul Mariner score. It was great to see him as part of the FA Cup winning side and the UEFA Cup winning side. And once again, you know, he had to move on, really, didn't he? under circumstances. I mean, I remember him and Walkie came in for a lot of stick for demanding a big wage increase, but but they'd done the business for town. They were big players and, and they really did, you know, deserve a bit more money probably and and wanted bigger moves. So Maras went to Arsenal and, and Walkie to Liverpool. Uh, but Paul Mariner, a great broadcaster as well in the end, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, toward the end of his life, he did a lot of work in, in, in the States and was a very popular figure over there. And I've got nothing but admiration for, for him as a, as a footballer and as a person. One, one of the great personalities. Mm. Great footballer, Paul Mariner. Great person. Great person. As you say, that, that Ipswich time, if you played for Ipswich Town back in, in the Robson era, of course, you weren't the best paid footballers in, in the league by, by far. Um, I mean, you, you know, it's extraordinary to think how good a team we were. And yet it wasn't, it wasn't money that was being thrown at the team. It was just the team being... A Robson team, which was fantastic. It was all coming a lot coming through 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 well, it was an academy then, but a youth system. Um, so yeah, great. So Paul Mariner, well, a legend who many people are picking their favorite elevens for. So good shout for that. I think I think most people will will go with Paul Mariner up front. But who's he playing alongside? I mean, this is going to be interesting, or is it? Yeah, this might surprise a few people, but I like big characters and personalities on the pitch as well as off the pitch. And I've gone for Chef Kikuchi. <laughs> a big fan's favourite under the Joe Royal era. 
Uh, and Joe Royal did very well with very little money to spend to pull a yeah. very exciting team together. A gung-ho style of football, which obviously suited Shefki Kuchi down to the ground. And indeed, on, on many occasions, he, he threw himself to the ground, didn't he? The flying fin, as he became known. And I used to do some commentary for Ipswich Town um, at around that time and uh, was very lucky to, to be able to not only see these great players of that era, but also interview them afterwards. And, and Shefki Kuchi, um, a real gentleman as well, always uh, pleased to talk to you. Um, and I, I just think him and Darren Bent, I nearly put Darren Bent um, in the side as well because of the impact that those two players had together un, under Joe Royal. But I thought, well, Shefki Kuchi, for, for me, was, was the bigger personality and, and, and could do some pretty unusual things. Sadly, you know, it didn't really work for him after he left Portman Road and he had his moments, of course, and came back on loan, I seem to remember, mm. and then picked up um, a bad injury. And he was back, as I say, um, he, he was back, I think, during the season because I interviewed him at uh, half-time and I know that he's keen to get into management, but yeah, that might be easier said than done. It's, it's not a job that, that, that you know you can get easily these days, is it really? You've got to do all your coaching badges and, and all sorts of stuff, as Kieran McKenna has proved. I mean, the great thing about Shefki, Foss, wasn't it, that he just proved that if you've just got a heart of a lion, you know, and you work his socks, you can make yourself, because he wasn't technically particularly great, but he didn't matter. He worked so hard and and, and he, he, was, he was a big lad, wasn't he? I mean, he was lucky he was quite a big lad, so he could put himself about. Um, he been intimidating to play against. Yeah. And as you say, he was he was chasing all around the pitch. He did all his work in the in the last third. Really, yeah. you you wouldn't want him in your own penalty area putting last gas tackles in and things like that. I mean, I'm sure he he would have done some defensive duties under Joe Royal, but I only remember Chef Kikuchi um, as, as an out and out attacking player yeah. who you know turned defenses, made a lot of room for for, for Darren Bent to exploit, mm. and also those midfielders coming through. I mean, Tommy Miller scored a hatful of goals, didn't mm. he? Yeah. Um, that that he he, he was another one that I I could well have put in because for a few years you know he was a great midfield player for Ipswich and and scored loads of goals and Ian Westlake as well remember him he he, he chipped in with several goals it was yeah. a gung ho approach by Joe Royal which nearly you know succeeded didn't it yeah. nearly um, I mean it's it's funny Andy Andy Warren put uh, Andy Warren put Tommy Miller in his in his favourite eleven. He said what a great player I was. And you're right, yeah, you're going on to say that Joe nearly got us back in the press. See, I, I always thought that's diff the slight difference between John Lyle and Joe Royal is that John Lyle did it. Joe Royal didn't quite, but they were two very similar managers, not in their styles of play, but in the way I think we've had because we always talk about Bobby Robson and George Burley and Alf Ramsey, those two guys weren't here as long, but they still had a huge impact. And they both nearly, I mean, John Lyle did, because John Lyle got us back in the in the into the uh, into the Premier League. Joe didn't quite, did he? But he was so close. He didn't, but Joe Royal had next to no money to spend. Yep. Um and brought in Darren Curry, who had no pace whatsoever, but my words, what what a what a fine striker of the ball he was and he created lots of goals for Ipswich but we hadn't quite got enough money we had got nowhere near enough money to, to buy ourselves if you like in, into the Premier League and, and West Ham beat us in both playoff semi-finals I was at one of them at West Ham and the atmosphere at the old Upson Park was unbelievable um, and it'd be great to get that atmosphere again at Portman Road, as as yeah. we as we did at times last season. I think if we start off well this coming season, 
hopefully, you know, there'll be really, really big crowds. I'm talking near capacity crowds uh, with the atmosphere to, to match as well and get behind the lads because I, I think this, this could be our year. I've just quick word about that, Foz, before we go on to your... Well, now we'll go through your team again. Name your subs and your manager. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I've, like yourself, been following Ipswich Town for, for years. I mean, the Ipswich Town fans are absolutely outstanding. Aren't they? I mean, their loyalty to the club, their passion for the club. And this season, we have really seen that ramp up. This is all last season. We've really seen that ramp up. To, I mean, listen, we're in League One, for God's sake. You know, 23, 25, 26,000. It's extraordinary. And I watched Forrest go up, you know, recently. And... Ipswich and Forest have got so much history side by side, you know. I'm just thinking that's going to be us in a couple of years' time. That's going to be us. Sunderland have now got out of here, they're on their way up. Hopefully, Forest yeah. are now up. Uh, you know, you're right. Could this now be our turning point? I think it could. And no disrespect to Nottingham Forest, but I didn't think they were great last season when I watched them. I mean, they, they got the results, of course, they did. I mean, the big test will be next season for them. How does I, I, you know, I, I didn't think they were any great shakes either, to be honest with you. Um, so the championship, yeah, people say it's, you know, it's it's difficult to get out of it. It's difficult to get out of League One. We, we know that. But I don't think we've got anything to be afraid of when we get promotion next season in, in the championship the following season. I think if you're playing a really crisp passing game, as we are, you know, with, with some really good strikers and, and some tough tackling midfielders, you know, I think we could take League One by storm next season, but we've we've got to score more goals. There's no doubt about that, and we really have. And I'm I'm very pleased to, to see that we have made a, a new signing, the guy from Rotherham, who obviously has got a great pedigree. I know that doesn't always mean they're going to do it for Ipswich. I mean, we know that better than most clubs. But yeah, let let's hope this year is our year, and and we've got um, two or three new strikers on the books who are really going to do the business. Freddie Ladapo has come over from Rotherham, of course. I mean, look forward to... You'll be out. I was after, yeah. That's right, Freddie. You'll be out. Far, fast Freddie Ladapo. Well, fast, fast Freddie, you can call him over the PA when he's banged in a goal. Oh, and yeah. Run yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you, Yes, I'm passing you a few little, um, little uh, lines there, Foz. I'm sure you need them. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Foz, go through your team then and then name us also your four, five or ten subs, how many you've got. Ten subs? Right, OK. Well, I'll have to do the subs off the top of my head, to be honest with you. And Don't worry. Probably- that I've um, you know mentioned that didn't quite get in the team, but the team is um, in goal: Craig Forrest, a back four of uh, Mick Mills, Mauricio Tarico, Terry Butcher, and also Alan Hunter in uh, midfield. I've got them working hard these two because they're the only two in midfield: uh, Sam Morsey and uh, also Franz Tyson. And uh, up front we have four very busy players: uh, Jimmy Robertson, Paul Mariner, Chef Kikuchi, and Clive Woods. Um, I suppose the obvious manager would be Bobby Robson, but I'm I'm going to be less predictable than that and go for John Lyle. Because as you quite rightly said, John Lyle did the business. His first season, he wasn't pulling up any trees. And I was a bit worried, to be honest with you. The second season, he came up with a way of playing that the other teams in, in the old second division just, just couldn't cope with. And, and we would grind out results as well. So uh, John Lyle would certainly be my manager because he is my favourite town manager of, of all of them. And no disrespect to any of the others I've got to know reasonably well down the years, some some better than others. Uh, Substitute-wise, well, I suppose my substitute goalkeeper uh, would be probably be Richard Wright. Um, defensively, um, probably, uh, let's who should I go for? I'll go for Kevin Beatty. Um, he he was a good friend of mine, and and, and I, I'm I'm sorry he wasn't in the in the first eleven really, but something had to give. 
So, yeah, Ke Kevin Beatty, certainly. I mean, fullback-wise, always good to have a fullback on the bench. Um, I would certainly, certainly go for probably George Burley, uh, a model professional, great club stalwart for obvious reasons. Um, who should we have on the bench as far as the midfielders are concerned? Well, I suppose Arnold Muren and John Walk. And then um, up front, um, Ray Crawford. And I think I'll leave it at that. I really do. I've probably got enough strikers actually on the starting eleven, to be honest. Well, I think, Foz, you've got the strongest bench we've had so far. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Muir and Walk, Crawford, Burley, whatever else. But, I mean, that's what this is all about. It's about a Fab 11, and your Fab 11 is a Super 11. It's, it's great. I've, that's a great little story there, Foz. I mean, it's really... I mean, that's what this feature is all about. It's about having some fun and looking back over our favourite players. And um, great memories there, Foz. And, uh, yeah, that's great. It's been an absolute pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for asking. Well, thank you, Foz, for being. I mean, I like to say, we'll, we're, you're at Portman Road again next season. I will hear you again, bashing out the bashing out the. the All be well, yeah. I haven't heard otherwise, but I'm I'm really, you know, looking forward to to getting back behind the microphone there and looking forward to thirty thousand people in the ground being able to hear me. And finally, and finally, you you you're confident we're going up, aren't you, Foz? I am because I've got a lot of time for Kieran McKenna. Um, I've met him a couple of times now. Very impressed with him. And um, I, I think he, he's got all the knowledge, he's got the contacts in the game and he, and he wants to play the game the way I personally like to see it. On the deck, crisp passing. He does need to, he, he knows this, he doesn't need me to tell him anything. But, you know, the, the striking problem needs solving. And I think he does need one or two extra midfield players, um, you know, some, some, some tough tackling midfield players to, to complement, you know, the more creative players we have in the side so we're nearly there but but not quite but I'm sure you know uh, the, the new signing will, will most certainly help that that's a big signal to the rest of the division that we certainly mean business and uh, yeah up the town as they say <laughs> up the town thanks Foz it's great to hear from you and great to see you uh, if you're watching this of it um I, I hope you enjoyed this my favorite town 11 with Stephen Foz Foster um follow us all on the Kings of Anglia podcast we'll do more of these throughout the summer as well as of course our our main podcast with all the boys from the from the from the East Ang Daytime Sports Department we hope you like what we're doing um, um with the with the KOA pod Foz once again thank you very much and we look forward to to speaking to someone else later but Foz thank you Cheers. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Ice Cream Auction, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash auction.